Hey, thank you for checking out our uh, online sermon series. One of the things we always want to remind you is that this, uh, these, these online videos, these online sermons are to be a supplement for your spiritual growth. And uh, we have a deep conviction at Coastal Union Church that you should be a part of a local church. And so if uh, you are in our area, we would love for you to be a part of our local church. We meet at 815, 945, and 1115. And uh, we hope you'll join us for one of our services. Good morning. It's great to see you all this morning. Do me a favor, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's probably one in a chair in front of you. And uh, if you don't own a Bible, do me a favor, take that one with you. Okay, that's our gift to you. We'd love for you to have a copy of the Word of God. And, uh, and if you've got the uh, chair Bible, the page is 749. Revelation's right towards the back. Uh, for those of you who adjusted your schedule to come at 815, thank you. Okay, in fact, the, the building's so full, I'm wondering wondering if anybody's going to come to the next two services. So uh, thank you guys for being here uh, and celebrating. And so while you're kind of getting there, there's some notes in your bulletin. You can t- follow along, take notes with me. And while you're doing all that, I want to kind of bring you up to speed. If this is your home church, something I know you've been praying about. And uh, we, uh, we actually closed on this building this week. Praise the Lord. All right. So... Uh, you're now renting this space. You're a tenant here, okay? You don't own this spot anymore. And, uh, and, just, and if you're a guest with us this morning, we welcome you. And just to kind of give you a, a little heads up, okay? We're hoping to be in this building for about four more weeks, okay? And uh, we're, that's our goal is to be out of here by the end of April. And, and so for the, if you decided you want to come back to Coastal, we'll be here for the next couple weeks. Uh, we do three services, 815, 945, and 1115. We are moving, however. We're moving to a new location, 101 Village Parkway. It's the old Kroger building, okay? And, and uh, we purchased that, and we're hoping to be in there by the end of April. Once we get in there, we're going to do two services, and we're targeting 9.15 and 11 o'clock for that. Everybody with me? All right. So I hate to do all that kind of, you know, admin stuff, but that's good stuff, okay? So thank you, church, for hanging in there with us in this relocation. I'm going to tack on what Jeff did and remind us why we're here this morning. Ready? He is risen. He's risen. Man, that's why we're here. I, uh, I love ice cream, all right? I know you probably, that surprises you when you look at this physique, right? But, uh, man, I love ice cream. Ice cream's gotten me in trouble, actually. I, um, there's been times where I've done some crazy stuff for ice cream. Um, I, there's been times where I've gotten up 10, 11 o'clock at night to get me a, sneak me a little cup of ice cream, maybe a big cup. And so, and, and there was none in the house, and I have gotten in my car. I've driven to a store late at night to get me some ice cream, and I'm, I'm kind of an ice cream snob, you know, it's, it can't be the cheap stuff, you know, I, uh, particularly like Edie's cookie dough, you know, in fact, my wife's been trying to eat well, and she came home with frozen Greek yogurt this week, I'm like, what is that, you know, and then I'm kind of convinced ice cream's going to be in heaven, and it won't put on weight, that's my hope, anyway, so, uh, but I remember one time, actually, ice cream got me in huge trouble, and in fact, I, it was life-threatening and terrifying. You're like, what? You know, and, and I'm not talking about cardiac arrest, okay? Uh, I'm talking about my, we went to visit my wife's family up in New York. Um, her grandparents own a, a retirement home, uh, and a, a senior adult home, and, uh, and they live on the third floor of this home. And I, so late at night, I snuck into their freezer, and there was no ice cream. And so I thought, man, I know where they keep the ice cream down, and so they have 
have the industrial kitchen in the downstairs, uh, and they lock that up because sometimes some of the senior adults maybe have dementia or whatever, and they try to keep that, that industrial kitchen locked up at night. But I knew where the key was, okay? And so I snuck, and I got the key, and there were no lights on. Nobody knew I had went down there. I went by myself. Uh, I went in through, I went in through uh, the walk-in fridge, uh, and then I walked, went into the walk-in freezer, and for reasons known only to me as I'm in the walk-in freezer, I pulled the door closed. And if you, you're ever in a walk-in freezer, you know that they, they have those panic handles, right? And so I go in, and I, I'm sorting through all the various, and they have these big tubs of ice cream. And if, you, if you've ever been in an industrial setting, they're not labeled on the outside. So I'm going through each lid, you know, trying to find my flavor. I finally find my tub, you know, and I'm walking out thinking I could eat this whole thing, you know. And I'm walking out with this tub, and I hit the panic bar, nothing, right? I hit this panic bar again, nothing. I hit it a third time, nothing. And I'm telling you, fear set in. I'm like, no one knows I'm in here, right? And, and I start thinking about, you know, I'm going to shut down the unit. I'm going to figure out how to break the unit. But it was really scary. I didn't have a cell phone. This kitchen's at the far end of the building. No one knows I'm in here. And terror set in. And fear set in. I'm not going to tell you the end of the story, but I'm here today, right? So you figure, <laughs> no, I finally hit that thing hard enough and it opened up and I got out. But, but for a few moments, man, I was panicked. I was like, this is, this is overwhelming. This is terrifying and this is life-threatening. And I know this is Resurrection Sunday and I know we're here to celebrate the risen Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. And I'm kind of working with an assumption this morning that you've heard the Easter story many, many times of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Today, I want to take you on a little bit of a different journey. Today, I want to introduce you to the risen, glorified, resurrected God's Son, Jesus Christ. I want you to get a vision of that. And the reason we went to Revelation this morning is because the Apostle John gets a small glimpse of the resurrected Christ. And I believe this resurrected Christ is the, is the Christ that we're all going to stand in front of one day. In fact, let me give you a little context of Revelation chapter 1. What's happening here is the apostle John has been placed on this island called Patmos. And this was an island for criminals. This was an island where criminals were sent to die. And and if you were to Google it, you would see that it's a little bit like the movie Cast Away with Tom Hanks, but not nearly as plush. You know, finding food and, and living on this island was very difficult and this, this text of scripture that we're going to look at this morning, it takes place some 45 to 60 years after Jesus's ministry. So John at this point is, is probably a senior adult and he has the joy of dying on this lonely deserted island, okay? He's probably discouraged because Jesus said, man, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And so he's probably wondering, is this the place, you know, a castaway? I mean, that's where I'm, I'm supposed to be. And so this morning, I'm going to introduce you to Christ, and I hope that for a moment, you know, we've been celebrating his risenness and his, he's alive, but I want to give you a moment to pause and consider that this Christ is terrifying and overwhelming. This Christ is set apart. And so he's on this island, and the Apostle John gets a vision of the risen Christ. Check this out, Revelation chapter 1, verse 12. He hears something. He says, when I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven golden lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. 
And he was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. And check this out. I just want you to picture this. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. This is where I get a little geeky, right? I, I think about Iron Man, right? I mean, just this is awesome. His feet were like polished bronze refined in the furnace. And his, his voice, it thundered like mighty ocean waves. And he held seven stars in his right hand and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. And, and when I saw him, I fell at my feet as if I were dead. And he laid his right hand on me and he said, don't be afraid. And I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I died. But look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. I want to pull back this one. I want to make just a couple points. And I hope that it challenges you to, to meditate. To, that's, that's a Bible word for think deeply about, to think about, to consider this morning. The first thing I want you to see is that the risen Jesus Christ is awesome. I mean, he's awesome. And, and by the way, this isn't like pizza awesome, all right, or ice cream awesome. This is in the vein of... Niagara Falls, awesome, or Grand Canyon, awesome, or Northern Lights, awesome, but, but it's greater than that. It's, it's awesome beyond our wildest imagination. And I think sometimes when we talk about Jesus, you know, we, we, we treat Jesus as if he's our homie, right? Jesus is my homeboy, you know, I've seen those t-shirts, and I would suggest to you we need to be careful with that, because Jesus is terrifying. The risen Jesus is a Jesus that will undo us when we get into his presence. The risen Jesus is a Jesus that will overwhelm us when we get into his presence. The risen Jesus is a Jesus that in some ways for humanity is, is terrifying. And so I want to encourage you this morning as we're here and we're, we're celebrating the resurrected Christ. I want to remind you to not take this day and this moment lightly. Because the same revelation of Jesus that John saw is the same Jesus that you're worshiping today. And he's holy and there's a sense of terror in his presence. And I want to challenge us, let's not leave here today and take the resurrected Jesus lightly. You see, this Jesus, and so first of all, the story is awesome. The story of Jesus is awesome. He, he, he lived a perfect life and all through his life, and we're going to look at this in just a moment, he, he claimed to be God. And he died a brutal substitutionary death where the penalty of our sin, what our sin deserved because of the character of God and the commands of God, what it deserved, that punishment of all of humanity was laid on Christ. He paid a substitutionary death, hence Good Friday, good for us, right? He was placed in a sealed and heavily guarded grave, but the good news is death couldn't hold our Savior in the grave. And he rose again, authenticating his claims as God and as Messiah. And your hope and, and my hope for both this life and the life to come has everything to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why when we read that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if Jesus is still in a grave, you're wasting your time this morning. But if he's not, if he's the risen savior of the apostle John here in Revelation 1, then we need to pause and consider 
this Christ who has risen. The second thing I want you to see this morning, besides him being awesome, terrifyingly so, and overwhelming, that this risen Jesus Christ is a caring Savior. He's caring. First, Revelation 1, verse 16, we see John says, he held the seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead, but he laid his right hand on me, and he said, don't be afraid. So the, uh, the risen Christ cares for his church, okay? In fact, these seven stars, if we were to go on and read this passage, in fact, the very next verses, Jesus, this risen Christ, addresses these seven churches, and this whole letter of Revelation is written to these seven churches. And so, and, and so John's like, he, he's got the churches in his hand. Isn't that amazing? I mean, if you're a part of this church, like the, the risen Christ is in a corporate sense has got the church. He hasn't forgotten about the church. He's a caring God savior who cares for his church. Isn't that amazing? And I hope that encourages you this morning, it encourages me. Especially on the journey Coastal's been on over the last year, year and a half. Sometimes, man, you feel stretched to your furthest and to know that the risen Christ is leading and guiding and protecting. But you know what? The reason Jesus Christ also cares for individual people. There's this kindness in his touch on, on the Apostle John. And the Apostle John sees the risen Christ and it's terrifying to him. And he falls down as if he's a dead man. And the risen Christ puts his hand on him. He says, man, fear not. Or, or literally, he says, you can stop fearing. Isn't that incredible? I mean, this awesome picture that we see, he cares for, the, for John. He's risen and he cares for you. Jesus, in all his power, is taking care of his church, both on a corporate level and on an individual level. He cares for us. And you can, you can stop fearing this Jesus is in control. I mean, you can, maybe you're here this morning and you've been o overwhelmed this week by fear. Right? Fear of, man, will I be provided for? You could stop fearing this, ri this risen Jesus is in control. If you watch enough news, like you, you start getting over, I do, I, I have to be careful how much I in, let the news input my mind, right? Because I, I start worrying about who's going to be president, who's got nuclear weapons. I start worrying about terror. Like I get overwhelmed by it at times. And I feel like I have to be reminded that the risen Jesus is in control. And at times he puts his hand on my life and on my thinking and on my mind and says, you can stop fearing. I'm in control. I've got it. We can stop fearing death. You know, sometimes when I'm having a bad day, my mind goes to this. Well, what's the worst that could happen, right? Well, I could die. I guess that's the worst that could happen, right? Guess what? The risen Jesus, as we're going to see in a minute, he's in control of that too. You can stop fearing because this risen Jesus is a caring Jesus. He's in control and he cares for you and he cares for his church, and his promises will all be seen through to completion. Isn't that amazing? The risen Jesus. Now, the next two points I want to draw out this morning kind of go hand in hand. The risen Jesus is God. He's God and wrapped himself in flesh. Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. John says, when I saw him, I, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. And he laid his right hand on me, and he said, don't be afraid or stop fearing I am the first and the last. 
This Jesus, Jesus right here that John sees, he's claiming to be God. In fact, he is God. He didn't become God because of the resurrection. Jesus has always been God. By the way, this is the great mystery of the doctrine of the Trinity that the Christian church has held on to for thousands of years. Jesus is God. It's the idea that Jesus was running around during his ministry claiming to be God that, by the way, got him crucified. Did you ever ask yourself that? Why did Jesus get crucified? I mean, he was healing people. He was providing food to people, right? We believe he was perfect. I mean, what in the world would get him crucified? It was the idea that he was running around claiming to be God that got him crucified. In fact, if I were to take you to John chapter 9, he does this great miracle where he heals this blind guy, right? Blind guy sees. You think everybody would be going, man, that's awesome. The last person you want to kill is somebody that can, can heal your infirmities, right? And yet this blind guy can see and he's running around. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, they're livid, they're wondering what's going on. And so they, they interrogate this guy in, in John chapter 9, the blind guy that can now see. And he finally says, look, I, go ask him for yourself. I don't know. I mean, once I was blind, now I can see. They're asking him, do you believe he's the son of God? Jesus shows up, makes some pretty radical claims that he is the son of God, that he is, in fact, deity. And so finally, in John chapter 10, these Pharisees track Jesus down and they corner him and they say, essentially, you know, you kind of talk in parables. You kind of talk in weird way. Tell us plainly, are you the Messiah? And by the way, in the, uh, it, it, these Pharisees completely understood that the Messiah was the idea of God in flat, God come to earth, okay? So uh, don't, don't import the wrong ideas. They understood. They were asking Jesus, are you God? And here's what Jesus said in John chapter 10. I've already told you. Verse 25, but you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my Father's name, but you don't believe me because you're not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me and I, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me and he's more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hands. The Father and I are, what's it say, church? We're one. <laughs> How do you think the Pharisees responded to this? Oh, okay. Good enough. Right, check us out. Once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. Jesus said, at my father's direction, I've done many good works. In other words, I've been doing all these miracles. You've seen what I've done. For which one are you going to stone me? So he asked the question, why, why are you getting ready to kill me? I've done a lot of really cool stuff. And they replied, we're stoning you not for any good work, but for what? What's it say, church? Blasphemy. You, a mere man, let's say this together, do what? Claim to be God. It's incredible. They knew exactly what Jesus was teaching. And they were like, this can't be. Yet the Jesus of Revelation says, listen, I'm the first and the last. He's claiming to be God. He's, in fact, he's latching on to an Old Testament quote for God here in Isaiah chapter 44. We're, the prophet Isaiah says this, it says, this is what the Lord says, Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord of heaven's armies. I am the first and the last. There is no other God. Jesus in Revelation is claiming this verse unto himself. The Jesus of the Bible is God in flesh. And that's, that's a pretty awesome thought. By the way, maybe you're, maybe you're here this morning by the invite of a friend you know, 
Maybe you're here by the invite of a friend that, that claims to be a Christian. I'm, I'm going to put all my church members on the spot for a minute, okay? Like if you're here this morning, you claim to be a Christian, maybe you invited someone, you're sitting next to your friend, okay? Here's where it's going to get uncomfortable for you, okay? Because the friend that invited you, if they're a Christian, okay, and they wanted you to hear this message, they don't believe that Jesus was simply a good teacher, and they don't believe that Jesus was simply a good prophet. And they don't believe that Jesus was simply a good moral, of good moral character, character worth emulating and imitating. They believe that Jesus Christ is God, the second person of the great biblical teaching that we call the Trinity. They believe that God the creator set foot on earth 2,000 years ago, wrapped himself in flesh, and we call him Jesus. If they invited you this morning and they're a Christian, that's what they believe because that's what the Bible teaches about this person called Jesus Christ. And make no mistake about it, like this is radical stuff. This is, this is life-changing stuff. This is, this is also hope-giving stuff and, and joy-giving stuff and, and purpose-giving stuff. I mean, if you came in here this morning and you don't have joy in this life, I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter how much money you make, how, much, how high you climb up the ladder, how great your marriage relationship is or isn't, nothing in this world will satisfy. It is only when your heart becomes a worshiper of the God wrapped in flesh named Jesus that you will have purpose and joy. Everything else will leave you dissatisfied. In fact, if you're here today without joy and without purpose, I'm just telling you, the only way you're going to find it is when you repent of your sin and believe in this risen, awesome, caring Savior, Jesus Christ, who claims to be God. In fact, in a, in a similar vein, on top of claiming to be God, this risen Christ also claims to be eternal. In some ways, they're one and the same, right? If you believe in God, you believe he's eternal. So in Revelation 1.18, Jesus goes on to say, he says, I'm the living one. And by the way, here's the Easter part of this, ready? I'm the living one. I died, Good Friday, but look, I'm alive. Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. I'm alive, and here's how long I'm alive for you, ready? Forever and ever. What we're talking about here this morning at Coastal Community Church has eternal implications. Jesus says this has implications forever and ever and ever. Jesus was before time and he will go on before forever and ever and ever. And so this, this next statement needs to be taken within this context because the next statement we're going to read in Revelation has to be taken into the context that, that we need to pause and we need to consider our eternity. Because Jesus goes on to say in Revelation 1.18, I'm the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever. Now here's the pause, and here's what I want you to meditate on, and here's what I want you to consider this morning. And I hold the keys to death and the grave. The risen Jesus Christ calls us to consider our eternal destiny. Now, I know you came this morning, man, hoping for, woo, and, we're che and I'm cheering the risen Christ, which, by the way, this, this whole statement that Jesus holds the keys to death and, and the grave can either be terrifying or encouraging, right? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you this morning, if, you know, because a lot of churches can skew some of this thought, okay? 
Because a lot of churches will promise, man, that if you repent and you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the Savior and from the penalty of your sins and the giver of eternal life, a lot of churches will tell you, man, you're going to get incredible blessings here on earth. A lot of churches tell you that your health and your wealth will be blessed and your kids will turn out better and all your broken relationships will be restored and, 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 and you'll have so many great things that will happen to you here on earth. And I want to tell you that does happen sometimes. But the Bible is very clear, like we live in this now in this not yet time of the kingdom. There's sometimes that does happen and sometimes, you know, because the world is broken, sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Sometimes you get to know the risen Christ and, 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 and things get tougher. And there are some people in this room that will tell you that, like I became a follower of Jesus Christ. I repented of my sins. I believed in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And suddenly my family disowned me. Like that happens. So I don't want to sugarcoat it for you this morning. Sometimes you get to know the risen Christ and he calls you to leave what's, un, what's comfortable to you. There are, t- there are plenty of characters in the Bible where following God and life got harder. Sometimes it's easier, sometimes it's harder. I don't know what it is in this life, but I can assure you of this. The picture of the gospels is far bigger than your 70 or 80 years here on earth. And I think most of us in this room, we know it, like we are created to live for eternity. It's not a matter of if you're going to exist for eternity. It is a matter of where, and it is a matter of what you do with the person and the work of God's son, Jesus Christ. And so Jesus stands up and he says, John, I, so John's probably on this island thinking he doesn't have much time left. He goes, I hold the keys to death in the grave. I would imagine to the apostle John, that was of great comfort at that moment, right? I mean, if you're in this room and you've, you've buried a loved one this year that was in Christ, how comforting. We get to cry out with the apostle Paul, man, oh, death, where is your sting? The point is it, it's just a little sting because that person's going to be forever and ever with the risen Jesus Christ. But it can also be terrifying. This Christ who holds the keys to death and grave can, can be terrifying. Because what Jesus, while he, he was on earth, he made it very, very plain that repentance and faith in him are how we can have eternal life. I mean, he made that plain. And by the way, let me, let me make sure you understand this, that we're talking about the same thing. I'm going to introduce you to what Jesus said while he was here on earth. Repentance is acknowledging that you've rebelled against the creator God of the universe repentance is that you've violated the holy character of God and you violated his commands the Bible calls this sin and the Bible says your sin deserves something because of the character of God your sin deserves punishment both in this life and the life to come repentance is acknowledging your sin repentance is acknowledging your desire to be the boss even over God's will and God's ways repentance is acknowledging that my life has led myself to a mess and repentance is acknowledging that only God can bail me out of my mess I can't earn it I can't work for it and I can't be good enough my only hope is to look to God and say I'm in a mess and I repent And then Jesus taught that we need to believe. We repent and we believe. What do we believe? We believe in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. What's the person of Jesus Christ? The person of Jesus Christ is that he's the son of God, wrapped in flesh, walking on earth. 
the work of Jesus Christ is that he lived a perfect life. He died a death that you and I deserved. And he died it on my behalf as a substitute, that the wrath of God was poured out on him. And then he, the work of Jesus Christ is he rose again, authenticating his claims as the son of God. Now, here's what Jesus said about himself while on earth. John chapter 14, verse 6. Check, check this out. Jesus said, man, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the, what's it say, church? I'm the life. Now, check this out. These are exclusive claims. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus didn't teach there were multiple paths to God. Jesus didn't teach that truth is relative. Jesus didn't teach that truth is up to that. Jesus taught, if you want to know truth, you got to know me. Jesus said, you want to know the Father, you got to know me. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus said this, the time promised by God has come at last. He announced the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe in the good news. And the good news is God sent his son for us. And then in John chapter 11, when Jesus' friend Lazarus died, he shows up and he's talking to Martha. And Jesus said to Martha, he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Isn't that great news? Everyone who lives in me and believes in me, they'll never die. And then he looks at his friend Martha and he says, Martha, do you believe this? I'm going to tell you something, church. These are not the words of a good moral teacher or of a prophet or of a good man. And by the way, if you've been accustomed to saying that, well, I believe Jesus is a prophet. He's a good teacher, good moral. Please stop saying that. Because these can only be the words of someone that is more than that. And by the way, I want to give you a gift this morning, okay? Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you're investigating the claims of Christ. And as I'm talking, man, I am pushing you. I'm pushing you in your mind and in your heart to think about these things. And maybe you're even uncomfortable with some of the things I'm pushing you with. Listen, I want to equip you with something, all right? If you're investigating, we're going to give, we have one per family this morning, okay? If you already have this book, don't take it, okay? But we have one per family. It's more than a carpenter. It's a great book. They're out at the Connect Center. You can grab one on the way out. And I want to encourage you, do a little research about the person and work and ministry of Jesus Christ. Because these are the words of the earthly Jesus, the words of the resurrected and glorified Jesus. In Revelation 1.18, I'm the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and the grave. This Jesus of Revelation, he's set apart. This Jesus of Revelation is for those who humbly bow a knee and worship him. And this Jesus is against all the enemies of God, both good and perfect kingdom. This Jesus is awesome. This Jesus is overwhelming. And this Jesus of the Bible demands a decision. And you cannot leave knowing the truth of Jesus Christ and be indifferent You can't leave unchanged or uncaring. According to the scriptures, eternity is in the balance for what you do with the risen Jesus Christ. It's heavy, isn't it? Now, maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, Pastor Sean, you are trying to scare me into becoming a Christian. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I, I am not an emotional, I don't want, the last thing I want you to do is make an emotional response because I don't think they last. 
I want you to consider the claims of Christ seriously. And what I'm trying to do this morning is to prepare you for your future. I'm trying to prepare you for your future because I preached a sermon last fall called For Against. Is Jesus for us or against us? It really depends if you humbly bow a knee to him as the risen son of God. I want to prepare you for your future. How many of y'all remember a couple weeks ago, uh, we had a tornado warning in the area. Remember, it was a pretty strong line of storms coming through. How many of y'all remember that? So I know who I'm talking to, right? And uh, most, it's probably about a month ago now, right? Strong line of storms coming through. Everybody knew it all afternoon. Everybody was talking about, hey, strong, you know, be prepared, be prepared, be prepared. Our church and most churches in the area canceled their Wednesday night activities, all right, just to make sure everyone was safe. And, and, and most schools in the area canceled their evening activities. Most colleges canceled their classes. In my family, you know, we actually, I mean, we didn't go too weird. You know, we didn't get a year's supply of food and stuff. But, you know, we had a plan, you know, like, hey, you know, we, were, we knew where we were going to go. We all kind of hung near the TV all night. We were watching this line of storms, keeping an eye on the radar, making sure that we were prepared. Why would we do that? Because quite frankly, you'd be crazy not to prepare for something that you knew to be true. In fact, it would, it would verge on foolishness to know something to be true and not prepare for it. And so if we prepare for something that's both awesome and temporary, an earthly event, how much more, church, should we prepare for eternity? And I want to encourage you by... And as I put this sermon together, my heart ached for weeks now. Please don't leave here today unprepared. Man, today is the day that you can repent of your sin and your rebellion from God and believe in the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. I want to give you an opportunity to do business with this awesome, caring, eternal Son of God who calls us to consider our eternity. He says, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and the grave. I want to give you an opportunity to do business with God through prayer this morning. I'm going to ask you the question like Martha, as Jesus showed up, he says, I'm the resurrection life. Anybody that believes in me, even though they die, they will still live. Do you believe this, Martha? I want to encourage you, do you believe this this morning? If so, this morning is an opportunity to do business with the risen Christ who grants us victory over death in the grave because he holds the keys. If that's where you are this morning, the Holy Spirit By the way, that's the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit, through the power of the preached word and the truth of God, is convicting your heart and spirit. Let me encourage you. Today is the day. Don't put it off. To repent of your sins and believe in the good news of Jesus Christ, that his resurrection and by belief in him, we are saved. We don't get what we deserve. Instead, we get the grace of God and all the blessings of Christ become ours by grace through faith. And so if that's where you are today and you're ready to make that decision, I want to encourage you, man, make, take, make this a great opportunity to do business with the risen Christ.
And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. We're not going to do anything weird, but I'm just going to pray a simple prayer, man. But, um, you know, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I want to make sure you understand that um, there's nothing magical about the prayer, that this is an opportunity to do business with God, your creator, who has placed you here for a purpose. And the beginning of knowing your purposes and the beginning of knowing eternal life is to know his son, Jesus. And so if you're ready to start that journey, I would encourage you to pray this prayer with me. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just do business with God in your heart and mind. Heavenly Father, man, I've come to understand this morning that you have sent your son, Jesus Christ, for me. He's caring He cares for me. He's he's awesome. And if I'm honest this morning, God, I have taken who he is far too lightly. I've come to understand this morning that he's the perfect son of God. He died on the cross as an offering for my sin and my rebellion against you. And he rose from the grave victorious over sin and death, and he stands this morning offering me eternal life. And as best I understand it today, I acknowledge and I turn from my sin and I trust in the risen, awesome Jesus Christ as both Lord and Savior of my life. And I believe that Jesus is true to his promises to grant me eternal life. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.